Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So I was talking to a client the other day who contacted us, and basically they asked me a really simple question. They said, why am I getting so many complaints? And I, you know, it, it, it sounds a simple thing that you can answer, but um, I thought it was a great thing for a podcast. So, Ryan, why do organizations get so many complaints? There's a simple answer, and then there's the more interesting answer. The, the simple answer is because they're dissatisfied, right? I mean, that's why people complain. So the more interesting question is why are people so dissatisfied with what it is that you're offering? Um, and there, I think we can we can turn to some interesting research that's been done. Um, I, I'm going to talk about something called the strategic gap model, uh, and it was uh, developed by some researchers named uh, Valerie Zeithelmel and, and Lem Berry uh, back in 1985. Uh, but it's still around and still being used because it's it's such a useful framework for understanding essentially why people get dissatisfied. Um, and I, I won't walk you through the full model. It's got about uh, 20 boxes and arrows on it. Um, but it makes a really simple, uh, let, let me rephrase that. It articulates very well a very profound insight. Um, the reason it's called the gap model is it focuses on the gaps between expectation and performance. Uh, and it, it identifies a whole bunch of them. So people are dissatisfied, but why? Well, it could be because the level of service uh, or the type of experience that the customer was expecting is different from um, what was actually or, or, or what customers perceived to have happened. Right. So some level of service was uh, was delivered and customers expected something different from that. It could be that what they perceived was different from what was actually delivered. Right. So mm -hmm. so now we're talking about an expectation level, a perception level an actual delivery level, all of these could generate gaps. It could be that managers don't understand what their own employees are delivering. So the manager could think, oh, yeah, this is our, our experience that we're delivering to our customers, and the reality on the, on the sales floor is completely different. That creates a gap. There are gaps that can be created based on what our external communications are. So if our ads are completely out of line with what we're delivering, I won't go through and, and highlight all of these gaps, um, you, you can look up the, the service gap model online. You can find the, the full uh, model there if you're interested in looking through it. Um, but, but this insight is really profound. Where are the gaps? Where are these things falling apart in terms of what customers are expecting or, or what management is expecting and what is actually being delivered and how that is being perceived? So let's talk a bit about this, um, the perceived gap. Because, you know, again, um, it didn't happen with this particular client, but you know, other clients will go, look at, and I'm just picking something easy now, yeah. look at the delivery stats. Yep. This shows that we are achieving 99% of deliveries on time, and yet we get complaints about deliveries. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, um, it's the most maddening thing for people um, who are in a service industry. To, uh, to be able to say, no, objectively, we are doing what our customers are not appreciating that we're doing. 
Um, so understand that that's part of the problem. There are ways that you can improve your experience or improve your service that are not necessarily easy to notice and easy to evaluate for your customers. And if that's the case, you're wasting your time and effort. Um, it okay. kind of doesn't matter unless customers can notice it, can recognize it. So are there ways that they could point out that their whatever delivery time has improved? Is, is there ways that they can make it easier for customers to measure or that they can uh, set different expectations for customers so that when they um, are delivering at this faster pace, that customers will now be pleasantly surprised and will will appreciate what it is. So uh, a lot of times it's not necessarily the gap between um, reality and expectation. A lot of times it's the gap between perception and expectation. Yeah, and and now let me put my sage old uh, sage old managerial hat on that's been around the block ninety seven times, um, and, and 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 do some interpretation around it as well, because sometimes, and again in my experience, is when you dig into the to the measure of so let's take the ninety nine point nine percent of deliveries are happening on time. Certainly, one thing I would do uh, is to check what you're actually measuring and yeah. what is meant by delivery on time because the internal perception or the internal um, uh, the way that that's interpreted can be different to what how a customer interprets something so um, I don't know it could be that uh, you know I, I'm delivering to a third party. It's got to them, but whether I've actually received it or not is a different kettle of fish. Um, me as the end user customer. So I think there's, there is something around checking your own internal measurement and the way that it's done. Um, because for me, you know, perception is reality. Um, and it's what the customer says is the important thing. So yeah. if you're getting a customer complaint, that's the reality. Uh, now it may be their perception, but you got to deal with that. And that's yeah. your issue, basically. Um, and then you've got to try to under, understand why you're getting that perception. And it could be again that the, the stats are wrong. It could be that again, you know, we did a blog a little while ago, didn't we? Not a blog, a podcast on, um, Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. Um, and all these new accounts being created and all these new credit cards being sold. Now, I'm sure some people in Wells Fargo were going, blimey, we're clearly doing a good job. Yep. Um, the fact that they were all fraudulently being created is a different kettle of fish. Um, but I'm sure that there were some people that, that didn't know what was going on. But the point being, the organization through the measures was forcing um people into doing the wrong thing um but you know um, it, it would only then be customer complaints that that start to to write to raise that does, does that make sense oh yeah absolutely um let me give you an example from the airline industry and, and i apologize i'll get some of the details wrong here but i believe and, and you can correct me if you know better I believe that that one of the major stats that they care about is uh, departure time. So are yeah. we on time in terms of departures? And from uh, the airline's perspective, I, I think that I've got this right. They measure that in terms of when the airplane has left the gate. Um, yes. From a customer, now, and that's a fine metric, that's fine. But from a customer's perspective, 
Um, customer doesn't care when you left the gate. Customer cares how long they've been sitting on the plane until it's kind of wheels up and they're on their way. And so, you know, the airlines maybe rightfully see that as being an airport issue and not something they have direct control over. From the customer standpoint, none of that matters. Their experience is, do I feel like I'm moving versus how long am I sitting here uh, before we have to go? So, uh, if an airline relies too much on their own metric and assumes that customers are kind of quote unquote rationally uh, evaluating that metric, uh, then they could have a completely misaligned interpretation of, of their customer's experience. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. I think the issue for me is, and we did a podcast on this before, uh, understanding customers' expectations yeah, um, and, and, and understanding what they mean. And there can be, to your point, can be internal measures which you have, and they're mm-hmm. fine. Um, but, you know, for me, the true measures of a customer experience is what the customer tells you. So you should absolutely go into um, understanding your customer's expectations, both both what I would call rationally, you know, the, the physical things, you know, delivery, what's, how long's the flight time, et cetera, et cetera, uh, but also uh, emotionally as well, understanding how a customer expects to feel, uh, because those things again will drive, will drive, uh, complaints as, as well. Uh, absolutely. Um, an- another airline story that I've only got some of the details on right in my head. So again, you may have heard the story and know better than I do, but there was an airport that was designed, I think it was in Houston, um, where they wanted to improve the customer experience there. And so they, they did all their surveys and figured out, you know, one of the things people hate the most is getting off the plane and then having to to walk forever um, or travel forever to get from the terminal to their the luggage pickup. So they designed this airport in, in kind of a circular fashion so that it minimized the distance between the terminals and the, the luggage. And that was great. Um, and then after it opened, it turned out that there was this problem where people were arriving at the baggage terminal before their bags got there uh, because yeah. they were so fast at getting there. And the one thing people hate more than having to walk forever to get to the baggage claim <laughs> is getting to the baggage claim and not having their bags there and having to wait forever to get their bags. Um, yeah. it, it wasn't focused on the right metrics. Um, sure. you, you need to, to focus on that entire customer experience, what's driving that experience. Um, and to the extent that some of it's things that are out of your control, well, at least bake that into your model, at least understand that that the stuff that's not in your control is going to be driving some portion of that customer experience and and try to to work around that as best you can. Yeah, no, absolutely. So so absolutely going back to, you know, the podcast, you know, why are we getting so many complaints? Well, again, typically um, my gut reaction is they're measuring the wrong things. Yeah. Um, they're not measuring the things that are important to the customer and that therefore manifests itself in a in a complaint. Uh, I, I think the the other part is just how people then deal with complaints. It, you know, uh, it, it's uh, with 
I've got. A, <laughs> so those people that listen to this podcast regularly will know that I don't like cable companies um, <laughs> because they drive me around the bend. Um, and um, and our, and um, in England, our place in England, we have a cable company there that um, that that you know, if you want to complain, there's a process that takes like seven weeks. I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but, you know, you have to submit it by this. You have to do this. You have to. I was on. In fact, I was on to um, I was on uh, complaining about a flight. And not that I complain a lot, but complaining about a flight. Well, we've got this flight theme and I had to go and find all the ticket numbers and put all the stuff in there. Yep. I'm convinced that they're doing all of that just so you don't complain. Yep. But the reality is, you know, all it does is it just makes you more angry, basically. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, you have a worse, worse expectation. But so I think certainly part of it is people measure the wrong things. So if you're getting a lot of complaints, I would be going, look at what you're measuring, both internal measures and external measures, and see whether that's being, um, you know, that's that's being looked at. The other important part for me, uh, two other things. Uh, one is just the mentality of, of complaints. Um, complaints, in my view, are good. Complaints are free research. Yeah? Mm -hmm. uh, and not enough organizations go in, not enough organizations actually encourage complaints. Yeah. You know, I would be encouraging people to complain. Um, and, and maybe not complain or make comments or maybe it's something that's lower than a complaint. You know, I'm not talking about necessarily an official complaint. Um, but you know, getting the feedback from customers on what your, your experience is like, I think is, is, is absolutely vital. Um, I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. No, I, I teach a case when I teach my MBA students. Uh, and it's a case about a complaining customer. It's a hypothetical case, but you know, this, Customers complained and, and, you know, talks about all the, the ways that the services has failed him and, and his interaction with the company. Um, and so we have a nice discussion with that, these, uh, prospective MBA students. Um, and then, you know, towards the end, I say, all right, well, let's, let's go through and list off all the things that we as managers learned about our own company, um, and, and the process and the way employees are treating, um, customers. You know, what are all the things that we learned from this customer complaint. It was a rather lengthy complaint, but, um, you know, the, the point remains. Um, and then I say, okay, well now how much would you have had to pay a consultant to go through and audit your processes, uh, in order to give you this information? Yeah. And now here's this customer who's given it to you for free. Uh, yeah. if you're willing to listen. Yes. And that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? Is that if they're willing, willing to listen. But uh, I think the other the other concept that I use with our clients that I think is is valuable here is a customer complaint is like wearing a new pair of shoes. So I well, like I, where this is going. Let's hear it. <laughs> yeah, I've now got to make the connection. Yeah. So <laughs> see, I would have said it's like wearing a vest. So let me hear what you had to say. <laughs> uh, so when you wear a new pair of shoes, what, what happens is you, the, you know, the, the, the heel starts rubbing and it's, you know, as you're walking along during the day and then it starts rubbing and it starts rubbing yeah. and it finally gets to the point where 
it moves effectively that rubbing or the pain moves from your subconscious to your conscious and you suddenly go oh my you know these shoes are hurting me yeah now the point for me of this is the analogy is there are lots of things that organizations do which aren't necessarily major customer complaints but subconsciously are giving messages that this is a poor experience you know maybe mm. keeping somebody waiting for a bit longer than they expected maybe asking them to fill out information two or three times and then you know eventually you end up going this is a bad experience i'm now going to complain about this and and what happens is the customer complains about something that seems innocuous yeah um yeah. and and you know trivial but actually it was just that thing that broke the the, camel, right. you know, the straw that broke the camel's back um mm -hmm. Uh, and, and therefore, you know, understanding all those other little things, the, the shoe rubbing bit to the point it's got to the conscious. It, it, if you can understand all those things as well, then, you know, you you don't have to wear your you, you don't have to have that rubbing of your shoes. Now, tell me, how does that link in with your vest? <laughs> it's it's like a, a vest in that it uh, I got nothing. Sorry. <laughs> I was bluffing. I wasn't expected to be called on. Now I'm in Paris. Um, no, I, I think it's it's a great point. And going back to the original question about, you know, why am I getting so many complaints? It, you can think about negative experiences that you have as a customer. Maybe we can, can categorize it into two broad categories. There's, there's this stuff that's kind of less em emotion inducing. Um, and, and that's kind of a little bit more maybe transactional. Um, and then there's the stuff that um, resonates more on an emotional level where people feel like they've been wronged or disrespected. And it, enough of these small kind of transactional problems can accumulate into an emotional reaction, or it can be something, you know, a single bad experience that's sufficiently bad that it's, it's an emotional reaction. Either case, uh, you know, in a lot of situations, if you're getting a lot of complaints, you seem to be hitting those emotional triggers or you've got enough of these small things that are piling up to emotional. But you're right. I mean, most people don't complain when something's a little bit wrong. Um, th there's usually kind of more to it than that. And so if you're getting a lot of complaints, it may be that just you're a disaster and everything's going wrong. Um, or it may be that you just happen to be going wrong in those specific ways that really trigger people emotionally and they feel uh, disrespected, uh, they feel distrusted, they feel unsafe, and and they're reacting in that emotional way. And if that's the case, you better also expect that people are going to have a hard time sometimes articulating that. Um, it's hard for me to call up my cable provider and say, you know, I feel disrespected by you. Um, and so instead, I'll, I'll complain about whatever the, the minor trigger was, you know, to your point earlier. Uh, that that finally ended up setting me off. But but the real problem is that I feel like you treat me poorly. Uh, you don't respect me. And that's the underlying problem. The Intuitive Customer Podcast is brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Since 2002, Beyond Philosophy has been helping organizations improve their customer experience through their consulting, training, and research services. Find out more at beyondphilosophy.com. That's beyondphilosophy.com.
if I was looking across the piece, that's the majority of organizations. We, we would call them transactional. You know, that the, they tend to process customers as yeah. opposed to treat them as in, individuals. Yep. Um, and, you know, they, they, the, all of the things that drive people around the bend, you know, like being transferred from one, one place to another without being, you know, having, having the call introduced and having a warm handover, all those things just, you know, again, classics of, you know, your call's important to us and then they keep you waiting on the phone for 20 minutes. Uh, you know, all those things say to you, you're not important, basically. Um, and, you know, so I think that just adds to it. So, um, you know, so I, I, I think for me, um, it, it comes down to a few things. Uh, it comes down to it could be if, you know, why are you getting so many complaints? It, it could be that you're measuring the wrong things. Mm-hmm. It could be your internal measures are, are, are wrong. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm measuring the wrong things. Uh, it could be that the, what customers are complaining about is not actually the real issue. It's, it's just, you know, the superficial issue and there's actually something else. Uh, but it certainly shows that the organization isn't responding to customers. He's doing something, definitely doing something wrong. Uh, and he's not treating that, that research as, as um or that complaint as 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 free research yeah so um, yeah i guess my my summary um takeaways would be that uh if your customers are complaining a lot and you feel like you've been acting to try to fix it and it hasn't worked it may be that you haven't identified the right gap um yep. that you've you've um identified things that are potential problems but are not actually the problem there um, and then also if you're getting a lot of complaints, it seems likely that the particular failures you're having are ones that induce a strong emotional reaction from your customers. Um, and then that, that can be a very big problem. So fix it. And, and, and people can go Google the service gap model. Yeah. 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 Um, I won't spell Zythemel for you. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, just Google strategic gap model and you should be able to find it. Cool. Good. So I know that this has been, um, this has been, we've been talking about complaints and all these wonderful depressing things and everything else. <laughs> so my last question for you is what is it that motivates, have you got a quote that would motive, that motivates you, that would motivate our listeners? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, uh, a big proponent of theory. This is part of the reason that Colin and I get along so well is because I keep pushing things in a theory direction. He keeps pushing things in a practical direction. Um, and we just fight all the time. It's great. Um, uh, no, so my, my quote is from, um, uh, Peter Drucker, who is a, a, um, consultant, kind of a um, management guru. Uh, and he said, there's nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. Um, and I, <laughs> I, I see that happening. Yeah, it's a great quote. <laughs> I see that happening a lot in business, uh, where, you know, particularly as, as computing power has gotten cheaper and, and we have more powerful models, um, we can run in um, swinging with solutions without ever trying to step back and, and say, is this actually a problem that the right problem to solve is? Are we solving it in, in, in a way that should be solved? Um, and so we end up doing efficiently something that is not going to actually help at all. Yeah, that's very good. I like that one. I like that. Um, definitely that happens. So I've got two, uh, and one I use a lot, uh, and this is just about 
um, this is I just use this in my life basically, um, and it is very simple. It's life's a bitch and then you die. Um, so that was the uplifting quote that you picked for us, Tom. <laughs> yeah, that's what my yeah doing a I've, fine job. So when our clients come to us and they say, "Hey, I'm getting so many complaints. What can I do?" and I go, "Life's a bitch and then you die." So, <laughs> no, not really. Um, but I, I think it does help me to put into context that you know actually there's loads of problems out there, but you know they're actually non. Most of them are non-consequential. Yeah. Uh, but the one I would really use uh, is particularly in the business business setting is you can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. Um, mm-hmm. You actually and you know that for me is you know you've got to go out there and do something. Uh, not talk about it, do it. Um, uh, and that's where I see, I see a lot of theory. Uh, I see less action. Uh, and that's it's great. about doing action, basically, and building your career and your company reputation on what you're doing, not what you're going to do. So anyway. And on a, on a personal level, there's actually some evidence that talking about your goals um, reduces the likelihood that you'll do them. So there's some part of your our mind that says, oh, I'm, I'm talking about how I'm going to start exercising. That's progress towards that goal of exercising. So, you know, I can take tomorrow off. Um, yeah. So it, it would be interesting to know if that happens at an organizational level as well. But I suspect that it might. So it could sure. be the case that talking about what you're going to do might actually make it less likely that you'll do it. Just do it. Just go and yeah. make those changes. Good. So thanks very much for listening to the podcast. Um, if you would um, put a review on for us, um, that would absolutely be wonderful. If you've got any suggestions on what you'd like to hear in the future, then contact us at beyondphilosophy.com um, and look forward to um, another podcast in, in a week's time. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton, but it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.